are you kidding? If people can talk about Sky Daddy, you can talk about the Fae. Exactly. Welcome back to the Arcane Dames. My name is Mel. My name is Alyssa. And today we are talking about the Knight of Swords. Yes, indeed. If you are joining us from last week or even before then, thank you for listening and still listening to us after our release of the After Dark episode. Yeah, thanks for still being <laughs> friends with us. We got a little crazy. A little silly goofy. Hopefully you liked it. Yeah. We're really glad to be back at it with the Nine of Swords. And this is our last episode before Halloween. Yeah, so we do have a little special segment that'll be coming up a little later in the episode where we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Halloween and some thoughts we have on that. But for now, we'll get down to business and teach you about the Knight of Swords. Yes. So this is our second night that we've gone over in the tarot. So as you might remember from the Knight of Wands episode, the knights all are associated with fire energy. And so kind of no matter what suit they're of, they have a little bit of fast paced energy, a little bit of impulsive energy, and also this air of bringing news or information. Totally. And with that, they can also be sometimes impulsive because it can also be associated with like a young or an adolescent person and just super high energy. Something I thought was really interesting when I was digging into my books to refresh on the Knight of Swords for this episode was in the holistic tarot book, she actually says that knights are air. And not fire. No way. I, I don't remember that when I, from when I read it. Is that... Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I read that book really early on in learning tarot. So maybe that's why I always get wands and swords confused. Oh, maybe. Well, she... There's a few things like that where, like, she'll put the elemental... She puts the elemental association of every single card And sometimes I don't always agree with it. Yeah. But for the court cards, she'll do the element of the court and then she'll do the element of... The suit. The suit. I see. So, but for her, knights are air. But in every single other book you look at, it'll be fire. Mm -hmm. And I was even reading the Tarot History, Symbolism, and Divination by Mm -hmm. Robert M. Place, where he talks about specifically Rider-Waite-Smith and kind of the intentions that Pamela Coleman-Smith and and A.E. Waite had when they were creating it. And I guess Pamela Coleman-Smith's theme for the knights was power of action, which is so fire energy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like for me, there's no arguing that. So I think it's very strange that she sees them as air energy. And then that makes kings fire, which I also disagree with. I disagree with that. Wait, so does she also like flip flop them for the suits or no? Not for the suits, but for some of the major arcana, I'll be like, mm. Okay, so scratch what I said, but that's still confusing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'd love to know more about, like, where that comes from for her. Same. And she doesn't explain it at all. Hmm. Or maybe she, honestly, maybe she does at some, like, earlier point, and I forgot or didn't read that part. It's a big-ass book. 
and here I am admitting that I mm-hmm. <laughs> have skipped parts of it. But um, oh, of course. So that was something that came up because I was like, "Wait, was I wrong?" And then I had to like flip open all my other books, and I was like, "No, every other book says fire." No, no, no. Yeah, knights. <laughs> are very fire to me, no matter what. Because it is, like, they're an action card, they're that, like, quick moving, and then, like, kings, on the other hand, communication, Mm -hmm. intelligence. Well thought out, doesn't say anything without thinking about it Exactly, versus the knights that are all action, no thought. So. No thought, just vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally associate knights with fire. So that was interesting. And that's like, I, I in general, I, I do appreciate a lot about the holistic tarot book, but that's like one thing that I'm finding that I disagree with. Interesting. Cool. Mm-hmm. And yes, this brings up an important point. This should go without saying, but if no one's told you today, it's okay to disagree with certain resources that you find. It's okay to fact check. It's okay to come to your own conclusion supported by other sources. It's okay to like some parts of a source and not like other parts of it. Absolutely. You don't have to throw an entire book away just because you disagree with one thing that they say. Right. That's so true. I promise I won't go on too much of a tangent, but um <laughs> we're in a tangenty mood today already. <laughs> we are. We are. We both have our public bookshop links, their affiliate codes, and we list our resources that we've discussed on the podcast in case you guys want to buy them and support us a little bit. I have books on there that have absolute bullshit in them, but overall, they're a good supportive source in my practice, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Like, you can be critical of some theories and believing of others. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. It's funny. I like that you said that because that's kind of how I feel about my tarot court book. It's like, I'm forgetting the title. It is on my bookshop. But basically, it's a tarot book that just explores the court. So much of it is just anecdotal, kind of like I feel like the author just dicking around and being like, If I were the Knight of Swords, this is how I would feel in this situation. Right. Super subjective, but it's a a helpful thought experiment. It expands your definition and your feelings on the card. It gives you more to go off of. And ultimately, it's just enriching your experience with the cards. And if you don't like parts of it, you don't have to take them as law. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to agree with it. And this conversation comes up a lot, too, around cultural appropriation because people think they shouldn't even read about other cultures and it's like no you can be incredibly well researched on them without practicing and exploiting them read everything it's okay to be educated it's okay to be knowledgeable we love an educated king right so just go for it okay slice so that's a little night's recap and then also we've only had the one swords card so a quick swords recap which we even said a little bit when we were talking about knights but swords is the suit of thoughts ideas communication intellect yeah also thoughts that are being materialized so it's like to me a step further than cups which are just your emotional thoughts Mm -hmm. these are like thoughts that you're doing something with yes it can represent someone who's really stuck in their head really on the defense or the offense it could be about decisions it could be about you know just being in a certain heavy mental state absolutely so putting all of that together what are your kind of initial thoughts and feelings when the knight of swords comes up 
to me, this card always comes up as a pretty significant moment of communication. For example, in a relationship, it can be a make or break moment, a fight that was the final nail in the coffin, Mm -hmm. or a really beautiful confirmation that you're safe with this person. I also think it can just be a really emotionally or personally charged situation. I could see this card coming up representing a political statement being made Mm. or a choice Mm -hmm. in your life that affects others, maybe some type of debate. Nights, for me, sometimes can have to do with a formal decision being made. So paperwork or Uh like, do you know what I mean? Like I could almost see this card representing themes such as adoption or... Like finalizing a divorce. Divorce is a big one. If there's other cards to indicate that. Yeah. Community service maybe. Mm. Maybe volunteering. Maybe maybe community service as a punishment for a crime. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Ooh. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. For me, it's funny because I started just writing, you know, my basic associations with the Knight of Swords and I realized they were all coming out as pretty negative. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's an interesting point I'll get to, too. It, to me, the reversal doesn't change much. Yeah. Because I feel like so many iterations of this card can be kind of negative. Yeah. <laughs> Even looking at the imagery of mine, especially my tattoo tarot ink and intuition, he's angry. He he's pissed. like he's like bitch face. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. No one's um, happy to be here. Like yeah. whatever it is, even if it is having a positive outcome, it's serious. Right. It's not a playful card. No, it's definitely that's a good that's a very good way to articulate that. But so for the Knight of Swords, I have, it's like definitely someone who's strong-willed, probably ideologically stubborn. Mm. I feel like when it comes to the Knight of Swords, it's somebody who has a strong idea of what things should look like or how the world should be and really sticks to that Mm -hmm. and will be defensive of that, argumentative over that. It's definitely like a verbally confrontational card. For me, I'm somebody who's not afraid to speak up. I also see it as, you know, oftentimes I've, I've mentioned for me, the knights are romantic interests. So it'll be a romantic interest who is intelligent, determined, and very upfront with their feelings, which we can talk about a little bit more when we get to the Rider-Waite-Smith imagery. But it definitely is somebody, again, who isn't afraid to speak up, maybe lay it on thick if you watch... Love Island like I do. Fact of 50, mate. I'm so sorry for the British accent. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I'm so bad at accents, but I had to. Okay. Um, and yeah, like, it, it's a huge message card, right? Because we have fire and we have air. So the combining of those two suits, first of all, is the air just fuels the fire. Yeah. So it's like huge flame so really fast messages like with air being communication really fast messages yeah and that contributes to the significance of the message like even if it is positive fire you're creating a light or you're being destructive Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's either burning out or burning on right it's so like heavy yeah yeah, the seriousness consequential 
Totally, yeah. yeah. Good or bad, things are going to change. Yeah. Things are set in motion. This is like a fairly significant discovery card, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So let me go ahead and read the rider weight definition for you. I felt like it was pretty short, which is interesting because sometimes these babies drag on. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> Knight of Swords, in full course as if scattering his enemies. Which I was like, okay, I didn't get those vibes. That's a little evil. Yeah. He's in his villain era. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Divinatory meanings, skill, bravery, capacity. I like capacity Mm -hmm. because like emotional capacity has so much to do with how you can communicate and how you can make decisions with others. Defense, which I mentioned, address, Enmity, which I don't know what that means, so I might have to do a quick dictionary.com search. Yeah. Wrath, war, destruction, opposition. So you have defensive and opposing, like, offensive energy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Resistance, ruin, reversed, imprudence, incapacity, extravagance. Oh. Interesting, right? Eh, Yeah. Well, yeah. I could see those keywords working into a definition but as the entire definition of it in reverse it's not really vibing yeah enmity is the state of feeling or being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something okay on brand for the knight of swords i have to say yeah i feel that yeah i don't the reverse definition for me mm. It's it's not really all encapsulating. Right. For the reversed, I feel like it is pretty similar to the upright, but it kind of confirms context that it's more so negative. Mm-hmm. Like maybe contributing to an argument. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe someone said or did something that they very much like wish they could take back. Yeah. You know? heat of the moment but like in a bad way sometimes Mm -hmm. you do things in the heat of the moment and it turns out good Mm -hmm. i feel like that would be an upright knight of swords right where reversed it might be heat of the moment and you really should have thought more before doing that yeah i 100 percent agree i think that that kind of touches on a point for me that i think is really important when you're reading the tarot but also like a really important lesson that the tarot teaches us more broadly which is that traits and events that oftentimes we automatically code as negative in our minds aren't always negative true and i think that with describing this night as strong-willed ideologically stubborn, potentially argumentative, you know, all of these things. It's like, oh, this is this is a negative card inherently. But sometimes you need to be stubborn. Sometimes you need to stand your ground. Sometimes you need to be argumentative. Mm-hmm. And so if this card is coming out upright, this might be the time for you to lean into those qualities. Right. Whereas in reverse, it's to a detriment. Mm. Which actually brings me to a quote from the tarot, History, Symbolism, and Divination by Beautiful. Robert M. Place. Your distant cousin. <laughs> my, my <laughs> Imagine. I hope so. That would be like, that would be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, he says about the Knight of Swords, he is a hero, but this type of judgmental behavior must be reserved for true threats and not become a habit. Wow. Yeah. 
that puts it really perfectly. Mm-hmm. Whip it out when you need it and when it's like your last defense or right. resource, but don't make a habit of it. Don't go around treating people like that willy-nilly. Exactly, exactly. And so I feel like when the night comes up in reverse, it's like you're embracing that energy way too much. <laughs> I like that. That's, yeah. a, that's a good message. Yeah. And also for the reverse, I have potentially a love interest that's coming on way too strong. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Because I I could see it in the upright. Like I was explaining, like, it could be, like, a positive affirmation in a relationship. So, Mm -hmm. like, it could be coming on strong, but maybe that's what you were wishing for. Like, finally, you're getting a sign of commitment. Right. Exactly. Reversed. Maybe you're getting that, but it's not welcomed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, maybe even someone who's, like, a little obsessive over you. Exactly. I could totally see that for the Knight of Swords reverse. Exactly. Do you want to talk a bit about imagery? Yeah. You start because mine are honestly not the most interesting. Okay. I mean, one thing I want to talk about with Rider-Waite-Smith imagery, actually. Yeah. Um, that kind of ties into what we were just talking about is... So he's got, it's so funny because people will describe the Rider Waite Smith imagery and then I'll look at the card and I'll be like, where? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's kind of hard sometimes to really see what's being depicted. So he has birds on his coat, which is a great representation of messages. Messenger birds. There's also birds in the background. Right. But what I wanted to talk about was the heart that's on the horse's, like the, the straps that go over its face. Harness? Face harness? Sure. His little garb. (laughs) Yeah. There's a heart on it. And one of the descriptions I read, it said, brings a new meaning to wearing your heart on your sleeve. And I think that that's super indicative of the Knight of Swords as well. And I think that particularly if you're talking about a romantic interest, like we said, it's somebody who's coming on very strong. You're not confused about if they like you or not. Yeah. You're being pursued. You're being wooed. And then, again, in reverse, somebody who is just absolutely, like, love bombing you. Right. Yeah. So that was one thing I wanted to talk about with imagery with the Rider Waite. Yeah, that super resonates for me. I think I think if you're in a new relationship and you get this card in reverse, it's a red flag. Oh, yes. I would agree. Yeah. I wish I knew that. Like, I'm thinking about past relationships <laughs> where I wish I, like, had that information. Right. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, um, I also would like to know about the Rider Waite imagery. If you compare it to the rest of the nights, this one is the most fast moving. The clouds are almost blurred Mm -hmm. because he's going so fast. And the horse's mane is blowing back in the wind. Like, he is actively galloping. Yes. Like, we are on the move, honey. Charging. Charging. Absolutely. So, um, and even the trees in the background are windblown. So, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a little chaotic. It's a little intense. It's a little heavy yeah i i don't know that this conversation is like giving me more affection for the knight of swords interestingly enough and it's a standout night it is a standout night and when i was reading too about the knight of swords as a romantic interest i was kind of chuckling to myself because i was like this is somebody who i would be very attracted to (laughs) this is somebody i have dated yeah the kind of person who is really confident more on the dominant side, takes charge of the relationship. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. 
So, yeah, I was like, huh. But then also it was talking about how um, one of my books was talking about how the Knight of Swords and the King of Swords would be a really bad combination because it's too much air. And I'm like, oh, the King of Swords archetype is like me, though. Mm. <laughs> so watch that's out. Why I'm still single. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to date Alyssa applications. Yeah, open. absolutely. DM me. <laughs> I'm cute. She's very cute. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Anywho. So I think it's interesting because I have the sensual Wicca tarot here, which does give that same really like fast, rushed, charging energy that the writer Wait Smith gives. It's got, dude, I feel like the guy, like the knight depicted in this card looks like the kid, the evil kid from Toy Story. No, he literally does. Right? <laughs> I Like I haven't looked at that card this closely before and I'm like, ooh, he's gonna like take my toys apart. Okay. <laughs> Ass. <sighs> Compared to my Crystal Visions tarot, where the Knight of Swords is actually just like a slow canter. <laughs> Literally. It has these two big beautiful wings. And this is my very romantic deck I've mentioned before. And so this is like Knight in Shining Armor vibes to me. Yes. Which usually when the Knight of Cups comes out, mm. I'm like, oh, this is your person. Mm. but Or like this is going to be like a sweet little relationship. But in this deck in particular, the Knight of Swords, it's almost like it gives me the energy of like you've been dating people who have not been serious and mm. somebody is like, Coming out of the clouds. Totally. Giving you what you've been waiting for. I see that, yeah. So that's an interesting little, like, juxtaposition there. Mm -hmm. I have the Warrior of Swords from my Intuitive Night Goddess Tarot, which I love this imagery for one very specific reason. So it shows a woman holding a sword and she's swinging it back. The swords in this deck are very glowy. Mm -hmm. Like, they almost look like lightsabers to me. Yeah. And so there's this other kind of glowing streak going through the sky and to me oftentimes it almost looks like her sword is turning into a lasso and it's like wrapping around yes and so i oftentimes get this imagery especially this card comes out in reverse in readings for me a lot oftentimes it comes with this message that you are being very chaotic with your energy and like swinging it around all over the place and you need to focus and rein it in especially with the warrior of swords in particular you might be being very loose with your words especially like fighting words Mm -hmm. somebody who's again not having that discernment when it comes to using those harsher character traits yeah that kind of thing watch out for the things that you can't take back exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and then lastly i have the wild unknown tarot depiction here which in the wild unknown tarot the sword court cards are all depicted as owls and this owl is like perched on the sword gliding through the air like with his wings puffed up it's super beautiful i like it for a lot of reasons i like it because owls are such a huge indicator of wisdom yeah right and so it's it's that air association of knowledge really coming through and then again it just gives especially this um this card in particular it almost 
gives like carrier pigeon vibes or like yeah. the owl from Harry Potter. Bringing like, bring, him his letters. Yes, bringing letters. I was thinking that. <laughs> so it's like, like a message is on its way to you. He got it's to coming. let you know something. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a cool one too. Cute. Yeah, I unfortunately don't have any super cool ones. They're all iterations of Rider Waite. I'll point out just a couple significant things in my gilded tarot his sword also has like an orb on it so it seems similar to your intuitive night goddess representation which i like yeah and then in the pride tarot the knight of swords is illustrated by carolyn haplin and it is a woman so we we rarely see that for knights which is really cool and she does have very severe like pointy angular armor on so even her hair is in like a slick back straight ponytail like pointed toe traditional medieval knight boots spiky armor on the shoulders she got a six pack going on so it's it's giving this air of severity and strength and like still going into those traditional quote-unquote masculine Mm -hmm. um, traits associated with the card then my halloween tarot which i've been working very closely with this month of october we have the knight holding rather than a sword a flag and the flag has a bat on it which in the halloween tarot the swords are bats and so the flag has a bat on it and also his helmet has a bat wing on it and so do his boots Mm. um so super cool this might represent for me less you know detrimental aggressive communication and more more airy than fiery because like there isn't a weapon present in the card it's it's all about those wings it's all about the um kind of the movement and the the coming clean and the being real and the clouds in the background are not fast moving they're kind of fluffy and the sky is clear not stormy so it's it's one of my more gentler yeah depictions yeah having the wings on the boots reminds me of like hermes literally like messenger god yeah. vibes that absolutely is so true so a little deity tie-in yeah Speaking of my Halloween tarot, I thought this would be a good time to tell you guys a little bit about the history of Halloween. I'm super into it. I love, love, love Halloween. It's my favorite thing and I celebrate it all year. And I thought the podcast being so heavy into spirituality and such was an appropriate place to talk a little bit about it. So for those of you who don't know, Halloween's earliest origins are European, was known as the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which it's still referred to as such today in both Celtic reconstruction Constructionist and newer age pagan communities have kind of adopted that and tweaked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Samhain translates directly to mean the end of summer. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Cool. Which it's interesting because you would think that would be saved for like the fall equinox. Right. Because that's actually when summer ends. Right. However, the fall equinox is considered only the second harvest. The final harvest is really Halloween. I see. So they're they're associating the end of summer with the last the end of harvest. harvest season. Which brings me into the fact that, you know, Original pagan beliefs are so earth-based. 
everything they believed, worshipped, studied, practiced had to do with agriculture because that was their whole life. That was whether they lived or died. So that was their God. And that is the reason I still refer to myself as pagan today. I don't agree with a lot of the new age iterations of it. I certainly don't fall under Wiccan, for example, which is neo-pagan, but I do definitely worship nature and have that at the basis of all my spiritual practices. So that aspect of it is like what really resonates with me. Paganism's so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like I like I can't even. And for, you know, people of European descent, that is our indigenous culture. Exactly. That's that's another thing I want to point out too is like a lot of times <laughs> when paganism is brought up, people talk about how whitewashed it is. And I'm like, no, babe, it's just white. Exactly. <laughs> and I am white. So right. that's that's mine. Like, Right. If you're going back to indigenous roots, check out pagan indigenous mm-hmm. roots if you're a white person. Because, yeah. you know, it's been so erased that we are always looking to like indigenous groups in the u.s or like right in like asia and things like that and it's like oh these beliefs in these deities that are from cultures that aren't ours when there is indigenous practices for white people from our history that you can connect with right I mean, I'm half Italian and basically my other half is just scattered Eastern European. So yeah. this is this is what I have other than traditional Italian folk magic, which I'm mm-hmm. digging deeper into. Paganism is what I have to turn to. There are some cool books on Italian folk magic out there. Yeah. I I have a few on my wish list right now. (laughs) But yeah, that is my culture. So I can feel free to practice a combination of the two Mm -hmm. because that's where my roots are. And I think this is a good time to mention too, the term witchcraft is European. It comes from Britain. Mm -hmm. So we use witchcraft often as an umbrella term for secular spiritual practice. However, just be conscious that some cultures such as black people practice things like root work and hoodoo. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to refer to that as witchcraft. Right. Witchcraft is something that was projected onto them as a form of oppression. Yes. Your religion is witchcraft. Our religion is real. Right. So just be very, like, cautious of those negative connotations when you're vouching for, like, the acceptance of witchcraft. It just can sometimes come off as, like, a little ass backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully I'm like, am I articulating this well? I don't know. But, like, yeah, what I'm trying to say is I see a lot of times online nowadays people put hoodoo, santeria, voodoo, root work under the umbrella of witchcraft right and not every black caribbean african african practitioner is gonna is gonna be okay with that and that is something to kind of watch out for and and just remember especially too i think with like the the religious things that have been appropriated into dominant new age culture from india and the east in that way Calling those things witchcraft, witchcraft is so... It blows my mind. Yeah, because like, it's like, half the time it's like from other religions that are monotheistic, like Christianity, or like, really? or like I don't know. 
it's wild. Just, yeah. Buddha is not part of your witchcraft. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just my disclaimer, of course, coming from a white person with admittedly a lot of ignorance and a lot to mm-hmm. still learn. Absolutely. But that's my very basic understanding and warning to fellow white ignorant people. Exactly. That's all it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that that's that's great. And this was a good time to yeah. talk about that. <laughs> yes. So a little tangenty, but a very important tangent. Absolutely. Back to the history of Halloween. So this Celtic festival, end of summer, it would originally begin at sundown on October 31st and go until November 1st. And so this is the Celts in this time are, you know, mainly in ancient Britain and Ireland. They believed that the world of the gods would open up during this holiday to their mortal world. So that's where we get the connection of what's referred to today as the thinning of the veil. That's where that like idea comes from. They believed that the god, the gods and spirits would play tricks on them. So that's also one of the origins of trick or treating. Which is so interesting. I love that. And that's also where we get a lot of our superstitions of like protection from around this mm. time, such as lighting a jack-o'-lantern, because these are these are certain folk practices that they would enact to kind of show the gods to leave them alone that night. Yeah. Also, it was known as the death festival because they were honoring and connecting to those spirits in a way that they couldn't the rest of the year because the route to the quote unquote world of the gods wasn't always open. Right. And it's on the calendar. It's opposite Beltane, which is celebrated May 1st. And that's all about fertility and new life. Right. So it's kind of two halves of a whole there. And those are their most significant, what they refer to as fire festivals. Going into the Middle Ages, that's actually when jack-o'-lanterns became popularized as turnips. Fun fact, they didn't use pumpkins originally. (gasps) That's cool. Yeah. Could you imagine carving a turnip? I would like to try. I know. Crazy. Also, we see the influx of the Celts being afraid of fairies at this time. Mm. So the jack-o'-lanterns go from like just like kind of a protection and a beacon of light to your gods to now they're like worried about warding off fairies. I am always so intrigued by the fairy lore and the fairy discourse on TikTok in particular in like the witch talk community. Yeah. Because people are terrified of the fae. People are terrified of the fae. And like I don't, I will be the, but like I'll be the first one to say I don't know anything about the lore. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not something, but people are so be careful when you're walking in the woods. Don't like follow this. If you see this, don't do that. Like, oh my gosh, there are so many rules. Mm-hmm. I had no idea yeah. that we were all at the risk of falling into the face trap. And <laughs> if you find something on your doorstep, don't say thank you. Like say, I can't accept this and right. return it to the earth. Like there are so, it's like, This is very interesting to me. Very interesting. And I don't know. Like, yes, I definitely, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, I get frustrated when people talk about their beliefs like they're fact. Absolutely. (laughs) But I do, I love watching people 
fully throw themselves into folklore. I it's love cool. I love a resurgence of it. I love watching people enjoy it, I guess, especially because Christianity is so dominant in our culture. I don't know how to articulate this. Like so many people respond to that with this aggressive atheism that is really dismissive of any type of belief when I think that spirituality is so central to who we are as human beings. Yeah. I just, I love to see people, yeah, engaging with things that feel really playful, even though I know for people the fae isn't playful and it's very serious, but it's just so, it's fun. I get what you mean. They're they're so unashamed to talk Mm -hmm. about it and they should be. We all should be. Yes. Like, go. Are you kidding? If people can talk about Sky Daddy, you can talk about the fae. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So real. You're so real for that. Love it. Also, around the Middle Ages, we see the tradition of a Samhain dumb supper. Are you familiar with that at all? So this is something I can speak on a little bit more because it's something I personally believe in and practice. Mm. A dumb supper is when you have a ritual dinner in silence to welcome your passed on relatives and ancestors. So it's a it's a respect thing, but it's also allowing them to feel comfortable channeling any messages to you or, you know, flickering the lights on and off if you believe in that and welcome that from them. It's just a really sweet way to honor them. And I won't I won't do a full dinner. I'll do it in the form of like bringing a cake to my altar and just sitting in silence and like wine, probably usually and just sitting there and and really like having a conversation with my loved ones who I've lost and I'll share on the podcast it's significant for me this year because I actually lost my grandpa only a few days ago so this is the death I've experienced that's been closest to Samhain Mm. Um, so it's really interesting for me like spiritually to be working with such fresh grief yeah because usually I'm grieving a family member that's been gone for like a year at least it's a it's gonna be a heavy time for me but I'm excited to just celebrate his life and honor him in that way that'll be lovely and I've never Never done anything for Samhain before I wasn't I don't know this is probably clear from like the things that I've, I've said about my spiritual journey on the podcast before but like I started learning about paganism when I started working at the metaphysical shop that I work at right now I was a full-blown tarot card reader before I really knew shit about paganism yeah but working at the metaphysical shop I mean it's very that. important for me to like know about all of that and Samhain is one of the most just like interesting and engaging holiday it really is in like all of paganism to me i i think it's so cool i think that the idea of spending time with your ancestors in that way is so nice like i think i will definitely do something this year in that vein and i love i love how much sense paganism makes in context of the seasons I love, like, we're celebrating death and welcoming, you know. An opportunity for rebirth. Yeah. Because, you know, the leaves are falling. The trees will be bare. We're going to enter winter, Mm -hmm. which is a time of deep introspection and relying on the work you've already done to survive, which paves way for the rebirth of spring. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. And it feels so intuitive. And 
natural. It has so much to do with tarot as well because so much of the lessons of tarot are about learning and accepting the cycles of life. A thousand percent. Which is like something that is central to most religions, certainly all indigenous practices around the world. Like, and that you really lose when you're raised in, like, strict Christianity. Yeah. And so I feel like that was something that drew me to tarot, is this, like, acceptance of cycles. Mm -hmm. And the pagan Sabbaths, holidays, is Sabbaths Wiccan? I've seen it used pre-Wiccan. Okay. So. Okay. But they're so cyclical. And they're, like... They are this is a moment for us to embrace death mm-hmm. in it's what's being reflected to us on the outside. Let's like honor that mm-hmm. on the inside and let's honor that with each other. And then yeah, move through. Yeah. You definitely just described what it is that I embrace about paganism. Like I, I certainly haven't, I may in the future, but I haven't leaned into really believing in or working with any deities. And I have, as far as connecting to my Italian roots, obviously it's really common to work with like Roman Catholic saints and things like that. I'm Mm -hmm. not there yet because I have a lot of trauma to unpack with my roots to that. As of right now, I don't believe in any deities or work with any deities or honor any, but I certainly align myself with the beliefs of the the earth itself and the connection to spirit realm as we move throughout the calendar year. Mm-hmm. And plants are a huge part of my practice, just honoring like right now it's it's corn and it's apples. And that becomes a really big part of the workings I do around this time of year versus moving into Yule, I'll have cedar and juniper berries and things of that nature. It's not like it's not still relevant. For us, how much of environmentalism is eating seasonally and locally, right? Like you're connecting to something that has tangible positive impacts on our world right now as it is. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's so full circle. It's it's very What better way to honor your earth? Yeah, literally. Yeah. I made a note here, which is so funny. I must have been like delusionally tired and so brutally honest when I wrote this. Ninth century, Pope Gregory creates Christian All Saints Day on November 1st to make it about them. <laughs> like, I'm screaming at the way I describe that, but it is it is an important thing to know to make to it, about, it them. about them. Classic. I, this also is making me excited to do the same thing for Christmas. Yes. Because there's so much pagan appropriation in Christmas. <laughs> No, oh my god, that's so true. That's gonna be good. That is gonna be fun. <laughs> that might be our next special. Ooh. We might need to drink some hot toddies. And- you truly, you guys have to let us know how you feel about this special and like what other specials you would like. Because yeah. we'll do anything and we'll yeah. talk about anything. We'll research anything. If yeah. you're too lazy to research it, give it to us and, and we'll, we'll do, do it. it. Yeah, and we respect and honor that talking strictly about tarot might get boring sometimes Mm -hmm. so um let us know how we can spice it up there's so much to dive into yeah (laughs) 
And then the last thing I had to round out my little history of Halloween is in the 18th century, we really see the rise of trick-or-treating as it more similarly is today with the practice of mumming, which I never knew that it had, that, that there was a verb for it. But what mumming is, is when kids would go door to door on Samhain to sing carols and do little dances. And the purpose was like entertaining both the living and the dead. So it was like an honoring of those who have passed, but like you're going to like your living neighbor's door to do Mm -hmm. it. And then the neighbors would provide payment in the form of cakes. So that's where like the trick and treat comes from. I love that. Isn't that cool? Yes. And normally we associate like door-to-door caroling with Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, no way that that actually came from a Samhain tradition. Yeah. So that was something I didn't know. And I did want to note that I got all of this through Encyclopedia Britannica and some from the History Channel's website, historychannel.com. Oh, that's super helpful. So if you guys are curious about more or just other traditional folk holidays those were two really great resources that i found that's awesome yeah and something that 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 particular piece of information brought up for me too is that there's this like wholesomeness and purity to these traditions very true ben so bastardized (laughs) so true to the point where when i was growing up my parents especially my mom really does not like halloween yeah and i have always been drawn to halloween it took me so long to connect with the part of myself that's witchy but like I've always been drawn to that. I I remember asking to be a vampire, asking to be a witch for Halloween when I was little, and the answer was always no. Really? My mom did not like anything that was scary, anything that had to do with death. Even, like, I remember if I wanted to read books that had, like, a little bit of darker themes, my mom would be like, why are you reading that? Right. And, like, it's so indicative of how disconnected we are from death as part of life in our culture right now. Right. How much we hide that part of life and just don't talk about it, which also makes it so much more traumatic. I know. And so much more difficult for us to cope with. And just seeing it be normalized as something where children are raised to celebrate and honor the dead, that's not something that kids get today. Right. And it's it's so disconnected from how most people, especially Christians, think about Halloween. But Halloween is based on a celebration of this phase of life and an honoring of the dead. So it's just wild. And I think it's so important to understand that. And it makes me love Halloween Mm -hmm. so much more. It does. And for me, of course, this is my personal belief. I don't believe in heaven and hell. I do believe in an afterlife. And I do believe that energy, like, cannot be destroyed. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's very comforting to remember and know that my relatives and my loved ones who have passed are still here. Yeah. They're here in a different form. They're here in spirit, but not in body. It's Mm -hmm. just their body that's gone. Right. And that's a big part of celebrating this festival, too. Absolutely. And it's just, you can mourn, you can grieve, you can be sad, 
but there's so much more than that not all is lost there really is like this hope and this deep understanding that you can still have a relationship with them right and that death happens to all of us so why why do we fear it when we can know that our loved ones will still be there for us Mm -hmm. why do we fear it when we know that our spirit will still prevail and go where it's needed Mm -hmm. that's how i see it yeah i i loved this yeah i loved this so much super exciting so i i hope you guys are pumped about halloween yeah happy halloween everybody happy freaking halloween let us know what you're doing for halloween yeah dm us leave comments on our insta so i hope you guys enjoyed that we are gonna switch our focus back to the knight of swords i'm actually looking in my archives of self readings and Mm. and making sure I haven't pulled it recently because I have a strange feeling that I might have. You know, I pulled the Knight of Swords on our shadow work journey. Really? Yeah, and I was having a hard time interpreting that, so maybe I can put myself on blast a little bit right now. I'd love to talk about that. For funsies. (laughs) Something I didn't mention about the Knight of Swords is, astrologically speaking, it's associated with Gemini energy, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense to me because it has this versatility and quick thinking nature. There's definitely a wittiness and this like intellectually exploring things, especially with that like tension between being really ideologically rigid mm-hmm. or being very intelligent and curious. You definitely get that in Gemini in the sense that like Gemini energy, I think, is inherently very open-minded and curious and really likes to talk about ideas. Yes. But at its worst or in certain situations, it can be cruel and it can shut other people down. Right. So, so yeah, I, I see that association really strongly for the Knight of Swords. I get that, too. I was able to find when I pulled it in our Shadow Work Challenge as well. So Nice! We are currently both doing the Tarot Diagnosis Podcast's Shadow Work Challenge for the month of October. Every single day, there's a different prompt. So for me, I pulled this on day number two. The prompt was, what is the root of... We both pulled it on day number two. Oh my god, I don't. I didn't remember that. That's wild. Oh shit. Okay, so let's get into these differences. These, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? So for me, the root of my discomfort, I had one card fly out, and it was the Knight of Swords. And what I wrote in my Instagram story was <laughs> if I'm stripping away any and all illusions, being myself is something that still scares me. Growing up as well in some romantic relationships and friendships, I was taught that I was not good enough, that I see the world too differently, that I need to sacrifice my own comfort for the sake of others. It's damaged the trust I have in myself. I'm afraid to listen to my gut and to communicate whatever my gut is saying because I've been punished for doing so before. And to me, That interpretation came through because the Knight of Swords is so much about just, like, being unapologetically yourself. Yeah. For better or for worse. It may drive some people away. You may come on too strong for some people. But the Knight of Swords doesn't care. He's just doing it. Especially that association of being willing to speak up and express that. Exactly. Outwardly yourself. Being passionately yourself and not being hesitant. And filtering it. To show that and go for it. Yeah. So to me, I interpreted 
it as doing that yeah makes me uncomfortable because i was taught that it's not okay to do that yeah so that's how it came up for me yeah i'd love to hear about yours because it's super interesting that this card has the same energy and the same prompt for both of us so i'm having a moment right now because i'm realizing that on day two for what is the root of my discomfort I got the Knight of Swords upright. And on day seven, the question was, what do I fear is my core self? And I got the Knight of Swords in reverse. Wow. Right? Wow. So (laughs) I'm like shooketh, especially because on day seven, I literally on my Instagram story, I put hmm with like the thinking face because I did not know how the fuck to take that. Sure. Yeah. I I didn't know how to interpret that. And I think if I went to my notes, I probably would have written like, not really sure what this means. Now I'm looking at it, especially seeing these two like prompts back to back and getting the same card, but one upright and one reverse. I do think I'm quite uncomfortable with how opinionated I can be sometimes. Mm. I think I find a lot of discomfort. And and this is really true. And this is something I've, I've felt my whole life because I've gotten a lot of pushback on it. Right. People find me to be confrontational and off-putting. I think that, especially when I was younger, a lot of people thought that I was like a know-it-all and very annoying. And it's something I've tried to temper a lot mm. over the years. But it's also something that makes me who I am because I do have unique opinions and a unique point of view. It's very important to me to be vocal about them. You know, if you follow me on on social media, you know I'm not just posting about tarot. You know I'm posting about politics. I'm posting about my my opinions and my views constantly. I don't care if that turns people off to me. I want the people who connect with me to connect with me on that as well yeah I want to create content for people who resonate with me on that level and it it's led to a lot of fights and arguments with my parents with teachers with friends and it does make me uncomfortable right so that being the root of my discomfort is spot on wow and for day seven with what do I fear is my core self, the Knight of Swords in reverse, I think for that reason, I do fear that I am too confrontational. Right. That I'm I'm too intense. I'm too stubborn. Right. I'm not flexible. I'm not open-minded. I fear that I shut other people down. Right. And all of those negative traits of the Knight of Swords that we talked about. So this is, and that's, I did not put that together until this moment. So that is so helpful for me. That is so eye-opening. And it's just, it's so true. And it's almost like maybe a little bit of validation that it's not too much. Yeah. Especially because it's, it's something I'm cognizant of and something I really work really hard to make sure that I'm not hurting other people. Oh, yeah. With the way that I I approach this, because I think that when I was younger, I did. Right. At times, but also, I think a lot of what I have to say needs to be fucking said. Yeah. You know? So. And you shouldn't feel shame around that. Yeah. And I would just love to point out a couple things just as, like, in, well, I guess I'm a little biased because I love you, but (laughs) (laughs) as an unbiased 
sort of outside <laughs> source. You talk down on yourself a lot only when it's about being honest about your opinions. You'll call yourself a bitch. You'll call, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll say that you're too mean or something. And I laugh along and like I get where you're coming from. But at the root, I don't see you like that at all. Trust me, I don't get along with people who are actual bitches. I really yeah. don't. I see those moments that you have as authentic. Yeah. Literally, I would replace the word bitchy with authentic. You're one of the most genuine people I know. I'm gonna cry. No, like, <laughs> and I'm really, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or, or make you emotional. Like, I'm just saying, like, what you s- may have been conditioned to see as too much. Yeah. I literally just see as, like, real. Uh. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I didn't mean to make you, you. I didn't mean so to make sweet. you cry. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an emotional thing. It yeah, is and because like, it really is in this oh this shadow work thing that we've been doing has just been so good I know. and intense and amazing. Like I've really loved it. Mm-hmm. I love this. Now we've both officially <laughs> cried while recording. I know that was the first time. And like really it does I'm not a crier, especially when I'm like talking about things, I cry alone a lot. So you got me in my feels. I didn't mean to make you it's cry. Okay. Are you okay? I am okay. No, that was that was lovely. That meant a lot because obviously it is something that has always been really tough for me. Yeah, and I think that's sad. And I think it's it's worth mentioning when men do it, they're respected for it. Fuck yes. And when we do it. It's literally, it's detrimental. It's something to fix. Yeah. It's something to hide and tailor to the needs of others. Right. It's it's really horrible. I, it's like a, a Taylor Swift the man moment. Like, truly, I think that if I were a man, a lot of my experiences with being opinionated would have been very different. Yeah. And thinking back to moments where I had, like, heated conflicts with teachers in, like, high school and stuff. Right. Which I was pretty quiet in high school. And then I just, I had moments that I vividly remember Uh of, like, going back and forth with teachers and just, I can get very Aquarius sun, Gemini moon. Like, my words Mm. can cut when when I get into it and, like, when I need to. And, like, I remember one time in middle school... I was thinking about this lately, and I don't even remember what the conflict was, but I remember the teacher holding me back after class and being, like, really surprised by how I reacted to whatever the situation was in class and, like, apologizing and being, like, I didn't mean to, like, upset you. Wow. Because I think that I just got so... Heated. Yeah. And that was middle school. I mean, I was a baby. Yeah. (laughs) But again, like if it were a boy student who had reacted that way, would it have even been a thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that my peers who were boys like said whatever the fuck they wanted all the time and nobody cared. Right. (laughs) Literally. It's it's very true. It's it's true. It's awful. It's Mm -hmm. so relevant in this conversation. I mean. Oh, my God. That That was great. 10 that, out of 10. That unlocked so much. I know you guys got to... That's something so fun about this podcast that I hope we can do more of. Yeah. Is, like, talking about real shit like that in real time. And for me, especially, and I think probably one of the reasons that I cried, is because 
I do do so much processing on my own. Yeah. And usually by the time I'm willing to talk about something emotional, I've processed it enough to where I don't get emotional talking about it anymore. Right. So it was so in the moment and raw for me that I was just like, whoa. But but that's, that's awesome. And I hope that, you know, I hope that we can do more of that because I think that that's, that's really helpful as – as a listener, too, to yeah. hear us do that. This is the work. This is the experience mm-hmm. of diving into your spirituality. So yeah. we'll always hold space for this. Absolutely. Beautiful. Cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Mm. That was really, that was a beautiful moment. That was cool. And truly, I was really confused <laughs> about those shadow work cards. So I'm, I'm glad that I have clarity on that now. It came through. It did. I'm so proud of you. All right. Do you have any final thoughts on Mr. Knight of Swords? I don't think I do. I feel like we've covered this in a really comprehensive way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've we've certainly talked. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can go ahead and pull the card for next week. Let's use the Halloween tarot. Yes, <laughs> the will Halloween cat. All right. Let's go ahead and give the good old Halloween tarot a shuffle. I know. I always leave a little bit of it in. Right? As a treat. As a treat. (laughs) Yes. Ace of Cups. Ace of Cups is really, really fun. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Ooh, we're gonna, ooh, there's so much stuff we're gonna talk about. I'm really excited. Feel like we haven't really done cups. We, we've only done two. One. Two, because we did six. Nine and six. Nine and six. So... We haven't done like a really lovey card. This card. is the first one for sure. I'm excited. Yeah, I it's so funny. Like I feel like there's been little touches here and there, but we really haven't dived into romance and sex yes. yet. So get hype. Get hype. Get Honestly, romantic. Every time I think our podcast can't get any better, it does. It does. And I'm so glad you guys are along for the ride. Me too. We cannot wait to cover this card for you. Yes. Fun. Woo! Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today and every week. I don't think that we have any special announcements. Just as always, we really appreciate any feedback you guys have. If you feel so inclined to leave a review on Spotify or Apple or whatever you're listening through, we would really appreciate it. It gives us a little boost. If you write a review, it helps other people know what we're about so they can (laughs) decide if they want to listen or not. And we are starting to send out newsletters finally. Every single week. Yeah. So if you want to get on that email list, I would totally recommend it. It's just a little bit of love messages from us and an update of what's to come and maybe some info on readings or specials or anything else cool that we're doing. Just hit us up. Hit us up on socials. Absolutely. Also, the biggest new thing is that we have a YouTube channel. I'm not sure what our next video endeavor is going to be, but we did video record the Arcane Dames After Dark special. Yes. So if you want to see Alyssa and I drinking and having fun and talking to my fiance in the background who played producer for the night. Yes. Oh, and some Eclipse content. 
your uh, cat got all up in there. So precious baby, check it out and subscribe to the Arcane Dames podcast on YouTube. The link is in our link tree, just like everything else. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I think we were both really pleased with how the video came out. Mm-hmm. Maybe something we were both a little bit nervous about. Yeah, <laughs> talking is one thing; being on camera is another thing. We'd appreciate some comments if you actually liked it and vibed with it. Yeah, for sure. Because it's new for us. It's new and like. It ain't like TikTok, baby. No. It's, it's that long form content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've never done YouTube before. Mel has experience with YouTube. This yeah. is completely new to me. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's super cool. Alyssa's YouTube debut. I know. Oh my gosh, Mel's so good at editing videos. Stop. I was so impressed. Thank I, you. I would I would have been lost. This was a great episode. Thank you guys for being here. Absolutely. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next Tuesday. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs>